Morning, church. And thank you, worship team. Uh, We just sang that with your hands lifted high. Peter, you're a police officer. Uh, We've watched the westerns in which they say, put them up, right? And uh, when you are uh, working with one of your clients... um, you want to see their hands, right? And, and what would you say? What do police officers say when they want to see someone's hands? Put your hands out. Yep, put your hands out. We want to see what's going on with your hands. Hands are very, very important. And that, in a biblical sense, well, even in a practical sense, when you see their hands, what are they doing? They're surrendering. They're surrendering to the authority. And so when we sing that church together with our hands lifted high, that is an act of surrender, right? So I think we ought to practice that. I won't say put them up, um, because I know there are some carrying here, but we won't go that that far, okay? But, But the point being, it is an act of surrender, a physical act of surrendering to God's will in that moment. So if you're comfortable doing that, uh, would you just put your hands up? Okay, now... Put them down. This time, look to Jesus, whether you do that with your eyes open or closed, and surrender to him in this moment, would you please? All right, put them up. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him a hand, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Yeah, good, good. Well, good to see each of you uh, this morning. We are... Um, in a series, it's only a very short series to start the new year, and we're asking the same question that Frank Laubach did. He was a a missionary in the 1930s to the Philippines, and he spent his whole life answering this question. Is it possible to remain aware of God's presence every waking moment? Can we attain that? That's a powerful kind of question, isn't it? Can we possibly stay in God's presence continually. Now, statistics show that most of us as Jesus followers really do honestly struggle to stay connected with God for any length of time, much less throughout the day or a week or a month or a year. And we're just being honest here. For many of us, this idea of being consistently in God's presence is either miserable, it's missing, or it's something mysterious for the spiritual elite. And so we kind of just, okay, I'll take my God moments when they come, and hopefully we can string some together. In fact, in a seminar for Christian workers, the question was asked, what will you be most ashamed of when you get to heaven? And the overwhelming response was my personal time with God, my connection with God. That's what I'll be most ashamed of. I missed opportunities to enjoy Him in the moment. And so uh, 40 years ago, a popular book among Christians was J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Kind of interesting title. Some of you are nodding. Some of you, uh, this is, uh, it's a rich, it's deep, it's, it's a wonderful book. And then 30 years ago, it was Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. How many of you have been through that one? Yeah, a number of you here. Uh, but I look at that, knowing God and experiencing God. Hmm, knowing God and experiencing God. I think that most people who claim to be Jesus followers are really interested and longing for an intimate love relationship with the Lord on a moment-by-moment basis. 
That's kind of why you're here, I believe. We believe in God, but honestly, he's not really real to us most of the time. That's the first blank. By the way, if you need sermon notes, just slip your hand up, and our shows will get you a set of those. And so, again, we're just trying to be honest here. We, we say we believe in God, and that's a good thing, but the demons believe in God. And so, uh, is he really real to us? And, and last week, as we began the series, most of us, as Jesus' followers, are functional atheists, excluding God from the moment-by-moment activities of our life. And rather, we kind of live it differently. We may occasionally pray, we may occasionally connect with God, but these spiritual moments are all too often separate from our normal day-to-day lives, that which dominates our existence on this planet. We got work, we got school, uh, we got family, we got activities, we got to be there, we got to go do this, we got to go do that, and that begins to absorb the majority of what we call life. True? Okay. Just laying some groundwork again. So we often tend to compartmentalize our life, separating the spiritual moments from our normal day-to-day lives, our everyday experiences. And our relationship with God is boxed into an occasional prayer, maybe before we eat or a Bible reading or church service, all of which honestly have little lasting impact on us. And I don't care how many times you come to church, honestly, it's not going to have a whole lot of impact on us. Unless we are enjoying the presence and the fellowship of God throughout the week and moment by moment. Because if we're just compartmentalizing this is our God moment to check off the list on Sunday morning, we're missing the intent of why Jesus came. He wants a love relationship with us moment by moment, day by day, walking consistently in his presence. But in this process of uh, keeping God from our normal life, I wonder how much are we missing out of an intimate, uh, very personal and consistent love relationship with the God who created us? What are we missing here? And life's going by so fast. And maybe it's time for a new normal. What do you think? Maybe it's time for a new normal. And as we look into the new year, where this is the challenge. How can we stay in the presence of God in a consistent way, moment by moment? Now, here's something important I've been learning about practicing God's presence as a part of everyday life. And we talked about this last week. If you didn't have a chance to listen to that message, I encourage you to do so. It'll make some sense after hearing this one. But I have to let go of the past and trust that my future is taken care of. That's the only way that I can focus on the present. I have to let go of the past and give my fear of the future to the Lord. How do I do this? I have to, to trust in his word and what he said to me. A couple of verses from Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's right here. Why are we sitting here dwelling on the past? What's happened to us? The mistakes that we made, the failures of our life. Why? Why? And allow the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and all the rest to to control this moment. On the flip side, the Lord of Heaven's armies have sworn this oath. It will all happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. That's the Lord speaking. Do you think that passage that was read from Psalm 139, God knows what you're thinking even before you say it. Do you think He knows what's going to happen in the next second? Do you think He knows when your heart's going to stop beating? Do you think he knows the next breath that you'll take, what will happen? Does he know that? Does that give us a sense of security? 
And you're all going to nod. So I was saying, why are you worrying about the future then? Why are you worrying about tomorrow when today's got enough evil of itself? And I'm saying that to myself, by the way, right? I'm saying it to myself first and foremost. Now, you, you all nod and say, yeah, yeah, God's all I've got in control. It's all planned out. It's going to go just according to the way he wants it. Maybe we don't like the way God wants it, so we're going to fix it for him, right? We're going to do it better, God, because we're not so sure you can handle my situation. <laughs> okay. Freedom from the regrets of the past we called baggage bearing, and the fear of the future we called future tripping. Right, and we went over that psychological term last week. Help me remain consciously conscious of the Lord in this moment, in this very moment. This is what I'm working out in my own life. God is all about the moment, this moment, this moment, as the great I am. Right? We had talked about that. Not the great I was or the great I will be, but he is the great I am, the God of the moment, the God of the now, and he wants those who follow him to have the same character and nature. I want you to be fully present. I want you to be in the I am. Make sense? Okay, this is all kind of review. Now, I found the best place to start practicing God's presence is in daily life, in the reality in the rhythms of the ordinary things that we all do every day. When we get up in the morning, when we brush our teeth, when we eat our breakfast, when we take a shower, when we drive to work, when we sit at our desk, when we watch TV at night, all these things that make up our life, right? Where is God in those moments? I believe we can choose to be fully present in each of those moments no matter where we are. And we need to be. That's what God calls us to be. Some of you need to be called back to be in this moment right now. Your brain is somewhere else right now. You are either future tripping or you're thinking about something you didn't do. Oh, did I forget to turn that off? Right? And you, so you're captivated either by the past or the future. When God says, I want you right, fully present here, right now. Come back. Come back. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. Okay? Come into the moment. Right? Can you relate to that? It's a struggle. It's a battle for many of us right here. It is. It's reality. But what are we going to do about it? It's one thing to say that God is always present and working, but it's another to be able to notice what he's doing so we can partner with him and join him in what he's doing. Hmm. Now it gets a little more complicated. Jesus often talked about having eyes to see and ears to hear. Eyes to see, ears to hear. The spiritual things that are happening all around us. So how do we develop our spiritual eyesight to be able to detect God's movements throughout the day? How do we train our spiritual ears to hear what God is saying in the whispers of everyday life, even though we're so busy and chaotic and we're so focused on other stuff? How can we do this? I'm just expressing my own wrestling to you. This is something I desperately want to more and more stay in the presence of God in a continual manner. So last week we learned that there are two words for time in Greek. The first is chronos. Chronos. The second is kairos. Kairos. Chronos is where we get our word chronological, or for those of you in the medical field, chronically whatever. It's an adjective. Chronically whatever, right? So there, there's chronos in Greek. It refers to linear time. It's the ticking of a clock. It is our lifeline, our time span. So we tend to measure everything according to time. And I'm looking forward to, as the hymn writer wrote, and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and 
time will be no more. Yes, yes, and time will be no more. You see, time is a temporary, temporary status. Eternity doesn't even register. Let me just say this about that, if you want me to twist your brain just one little aisle. This is no extra charge on this one. We as evangelicals, we just hang to the Bible, which is absolutely right and perfect. It goes from Genesis 1 to the creation account to Revelation 22 in the streets of gold. And we think that all of existence is packaged into Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Guess what? That's just a small sliver of eternity. There was eternity before. There's going to be eternity after. And the, the, the territory the Bible covers, man, this is just a little teeny, teeny, teeny bit. that blow your mind? Huh. Evangelists, we, we think this way, that everything's got to be, oh, okay, it's about the return of Christ, and boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, Oh, but there's so much more than that. He's preparing us for eternity. We've got to think way beyond Revelation 22 and walking on those streets of gold. That's the beginning. Wow. Okay. Let me come back. So when we talk about this linear time, our timeline, it's what we're talking about when we say things like, oh, this is really taking a long time when you're slow checkout lane. Doesn't that seem like an eternity? It's like, what do you mean you're paying by check? Nobody writes a check anymore. Right? Huh? What? And you have to, oh, okay. Or, or we say, what time is dinner when you're really hungry? Like, can't this thing kind of speed up because we want to, yeah, right. Kairos, on the other hand, refers to a critical moment or an opportunity. The second Greek word, kairos, much different. It is a moment, a critical moment. It's a critical opportunity. Everything hinges and pivots on this moment. It's a God moment in a spiritual sense. And understand, kairos breaks into chronos. So if we have our lives lived out, here's the time span of our lives. Here's what it looks like, right? And we're just kind of grinding it through. But in this Kronos timeline, God smashes in with Kairos moments. Boom, 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 boom. He's communicating the, the eternal and the spiritual into the everyday. And he's doing this constantly. And so they're very different Greek words. So Kairos then breaks into Kronos. And it's often disruptive. Because any time God breaks in, it's not going to quite be business as usual. It'll be a meaningful moment. It will be a transformational moment. And this is reflected in our own language when we say, hey, it's crunch time. It's crunch time. This is a critical moment. Or it's your time to shine. This is the moment. Are you ready for it? And so this, this kairos is breaking in constantly to our chronos moments. Now, the word translated time in Mark 1.15 is very important. I'll just give you one example. The time, the kairos has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, if we didn't know the difference between these two words, we'd just say it's the word, English word time. No, it's very significant. God is now breaking in. The ministry of Jesus is beginning. It's Mark 1. He's stepping onto the public stage. The time has come. This is a kairos moment. It's a critical opportunity. It's right here. It's right now. The kingdom of God is breaking into your everyday life. Wow. It's a significant, significant moment. And isn't that why Jesus was sent? It's a, it's a, a kairos moment when God says, Son, go. 
and he steps into human history as a baby. And the world would never be the same. You talk about disruptive, you talk about transformational. When God comes in and he's constantly doing that in our own lives, not just in the big picture, but he's doing this throughout the day. He is intimately acquainted with us, as we just heard. Is this making any sense? I know it's a little deep. Hang on, hang on, right? Hang on, because we're going somewhere with this. So we're using the phrase kairos moments to identify the opportunities that God gives us to show us where he is at work and what he's doing. It snaps us out of the, the chronos time of just grinding through life and reminds us there's something way beyond this. And God cares. He cares. He cares enough to constantly come breaking into our lives. So Kairos moments are really an invitation. It's an invitation. It's an incredible opportunity to connect with God in the present, in the everyday, in the I am, in the now. Here it is. Kairos moments can be long or short. That's really not what's important about Kairos moments. Kairos is concerned with significance because God is allowing this to happen for a very specific reason. And so Kairos is all about significance. It breaks into the mundane and the ordinary. I don't care if you're brushing your teeth, God comes crashing into that with a thought that just begins to ring in your head like, whoa, it's not about brushing my teeth. He's caring about something else right now. And he's trying to speak to me. So, what is God doing and saying? We probably already catch some Kairos moments. Some of us do that already. Good. But many of us are only aware of a small fraction of the Kairos moments that are constantly flooding into our lives. And even if we do notice that this is a Kairos moment, there's something here, we don't know what to do with them once they happen. Okay. Well, that was cool. Oh, I got to go. Sorry. Sorry, God. Okay. I got an email sent. I got to do that. that. Okay. Okay. Kairos moments are happening. Maybe you can identify with some of these. When a song lyric or a scene in a movie or even a commercial just captures us. And you guys, as you get older, you know, you see this commercial about a father or a son, and you're watching that commercial, and that tear comes trickling down. You go, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm cool. Right? But that moment, something's breaking in there. Something's happening in our heart. Don, have you ever had that happen? Yes, okay, good. And if we're honest, we do, right? It might be a song lyric. All of a sudden, it just smashes into you. Like, whoa, what is that? Where'd that come from? That's a Kairos moment. What do we do with that thing then? Or how about a passage of Scripture? It suddenly just speaks. No, it doesn't speak. It just shouts at us like, whoa, it's the voice of God, right? It just leaps off the page of the Bible. Like, wow, what, God, are you saying to me here? This is really cool. Or a conversation where we have an aha moment or an uh-oh moment. Might be with your spouse, right? Like, <laughs> okay, so with the idea being we're in a conversation, all of a sudden the light bulb goes, wow, wow, this, this is far more significant than, hmm. Or we have a fight with our spouse and we've known we've blown it. There's plenty of Kairos moments in there. <laughs> okay, we find ourselves avoiding a coworker, or seeking to impress someone. Those are Kairos moments when we identify there's a new realization about ourselves. Like, ooh, and you know, I'm, I'm working with someone, I'm talking with someone, they're telling me a story about somebody else, and I think, that's me. That's me they're talking about. And God is speaking to me through that person. In that situation, it's like, whoa, God, okay, cool. Or as I mentioned last week, a sunrise or a sunset. 
Man, I see God all over those things. Even as, did you see this morning in the east, that little sliver, little sliver in the east of orange that was totally awesome. And God's just in those moments. What is he saying to us? What is he saying to us? A conversation with someone suddenly reminds us, we forgot to do something we said we'd do. And it's like, oh, God, yeah, I did say I would do that. Huh. But in all these examples, notice, a kairos moment can be positive or a negative experience. There are positive kairoses. You've ever had those when God just suddenly loves on you? And you just feel so loved, just like he's embracing you. It's like, oh, man. Or he whispers in your ear. And this is one we're really bad at. When God says, you're doing great. I'm really proud of you. I love you just the way you are. And we're like, ah, nah, you can't be, nah, nah. I got to do more. I got to do this. I gotta, nah, nah, nah. No, when God just wants to love on us and let us know how much he cares about us. And, and he loves you just bad. Oh, anyway. It can be happening in a crowd or alone. It can be in public or private. It can be something very large or something very small. And I'm finding the Kairos moments that are really tiny, they're packed with significance if we're willing to hang with it. But here's something I'm learning as well. Discipleship happens as we process one kairos moment at a time. When we learn to identify these kairos moments and then begin to think through them, God, what are you saying here? That's when we grow in Jesus. Now, we can have all kinds of studies in which we fill in blanks and all that's very helpful for gaining knowledge of the Lord that's extremely important, but it's got to be applied to real life. And God is speaking to us continually. But before we go any further, let me pump the brakes just for a moment before we wrap this up and explain what I'm not saying so you don't leave here hearing what I didn't say. That confuse you? Good. Uh, Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The meat and potatoes of our connection with God comes from making a decision to spend time with Him consistently. Consistently. It's not just about jumping from moment to moment and kind of feeling God out in life. Oh, God, I had this moment, I had this moment, I had this moment. That's all good. That's all good. But listen carefully to what I'm saying. We must be intentional and disciplined about spending time with God or any other relationship that is important to us. Do you agree with that? If the relationship's important to you, you have to invest time into that relationship. If your marriage or my marriage is no more than these moments, and we jump from moment to moment, it's not going to be as deep and as rich as God had intended. Right? So we must be intentional about connection first. Then the Kairos moments will begin to make sense. I want to be very clear about this. It's not the other way around. So David and Jesus are great biblical models of connecting with God as the very first act of the day. Psalm 5. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, each morning, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he 
prayed. These are the disciplines of those who walked intimately moment by moment with Jesus. So I want to make sure we're understanding this. As a general rule, I find practicing God's presence first thing in the morning then affects my awareness of Kairos moments the rest of the day. Have you found that to be true? When we start in God's presence, I've also found that I tend to experience God's presence most profoundly in the morning. In the morning. Probably because my mind has not yet become so cluttered with all the busyness of life. There in the quiet, in the stillness, as we just sang, I wait for him and know that he's been waiting for me. Then throughout the day, these Kairos moments begin to make sense. This opens the door to being mindful of God's activity, his Kairos moments that he's thrown to me throughout the day. This Again, this making sense to you? Any questions that you might have before we wrap this thing up? I want to make sure because we're going to put some application to it now. You know the difference between Kairos moments and Kronos, right? Kronos goes this way. Kairos is breaking in. And each of you in your mind can give me a Kairos moment that's happened to you maybe even this morning, last week, last month. Little ones, big ones. Might have been devastating. Might have been exhilarating. Doesn't make any difference. God's on both ends of that spectrum because he wants to show that he is God and he can be trusted and he wants to have this moment-by-moment relationship with Any questions? Okay, good. So I have a question for you. How do we do this? How do we do this? I believe we can actually live a life that is constantly interacting with God by processing Kairos moments as they happen. Okay, we identified this is a Kairos, but what do we do with it? But this doesn't come naturally to us. It has to be learned. It has to be practiced. Because we in this culture, in the Western culture, have separated the spiritual from the physical. Where in other cultures in which I've had the privilege to live, they're all in one. We've pulled them apart. We've compartmentalized our spiritual from the rest of our life. It's time we put these things back together as they should be. Now, this starts with simply noticing Kairos moments. Think about a Kairos moment you had recently. If you have trouble thinking of one, let me know. Because they're happening to us all the time if you're a Jesus follower. We must learn to pay attention or we will continue to walk through life spiritually asleep. Now, we might wake up on Sunday morning, sing a few songs, listen to a sermon, go home, okay? But if we do that, we're unaware of the eternal that is constantly bumping into our lives throughout the day. God's there. He's there. And he's constantly, hey, boom, ah, I'm here. Ooh. Right? Here's some things that are helping me. When I walk the dog, which I enjoy doing, uh, I want to ask God, Lord, what is it you want me to know or do by this experience? And very soon he'll burden me with praying for the people that live in the homes on the streets in which I'm walking. And I'm very aware of the spiritual atmosphere of that neighborhood. And of the marriages that are struggling behind those walls. Of the abuse that's happening behind those walls. Of the pain of the joys of life being lived behind those walls. But I want to be in tune with what God is doing 
right there in the opportunities that he's giving. Before I play pickleball or I run or I work out, ask him that same kind of question. Lord, what does he want me to do? What does he want me to know? What connection do you want me to make here? I just want to be in your presence even, even when I'm, I'm smashing Flores with the pickleball, right? Yeah, yeah, okay? Now, most of us attempt to bring God awareness into our lives or homes when we say grace at meals. I would venture to say most of us say grace at meals, right? Because that's what Christians do. Oh, really? Hmm, that's kind of a weird thing. Okay. If you like that, it's cool. Why? Because it brings God awareness into that moment. What if that same mindset extended throughout the day? Not just in that moment. Before we eat. What if we were constantly on the lookout for Kairos moments in our normal life? So, let me summarize this. This is a quest that I have. So I'm just sharing my heart with you. Make sense? And I hope you're getting where I'm going and understand the challenge. Kairos moments are opportunities God gives us to usher deeper, deeper, deeper into a relationship with him and into kingdom activities. We must go beyond noticing. We must go beyond identifying the Kairos moments. That's cool. That's a good start to processing them. This is, I'm convinced, a key concept for transforming discipleship. How do people grow best? By attending the one God moment, good, bad, ugly, in between, whatever, attending one God moment at a time. Kairos then is an invitation to change. It's an invitation to change. God is interrupting our chronos with Kairos. It's an invitation from God to change. Now, just because we have a Kairos moment doesn't mean we will change. In fact, I know people that keep going through the same Kairos moments over and over and over again, and I just don't get it. I don't want to be that thick-headed, that stubborn, right? I want to learn the lesson that God is teaching me. It needs application that's best done in community, as Michael mentioned, and I believe that's the power of home groups. So what we've done is we've taken this fall and we've trained our home group leaders how to identify some of these Kairos moments in people's lives. I'm taking the elders through this. So at the leadership level of this church, I am attempting, and Michael is attempting to train and equip people to identify Kairos moments, not only to identify them, but to process them And then we will see people grow more into the image of Jesus. Make sense? It all starts with that foundation of spending time with him on a daily basis. That's where it's got to happen. That's the springboard. But from that, then we begin to identify and then process these Kairos moments. We do it in community. We do it together. It makes a whole lot more sense. So when you, your home group starts up, get ready. It might look and feel a little bit different. You might be stretched just a little bit. But this is all intentional because we want to see people become more and more like Jesus, and that starts right here with me. Make sense? Okay. Pray attention to the thoughts and the emotions that are happening in you in the moment. If we're talking about Kairos, this thing happens, this event happens, but spinning off from that are all kinds of emotions attached to that. Some of them negative, some of them crushing, some of them uh, you don't know what to think of it, some of them quite confusing, but God is in all of that. Even in the emotion, pay attention to that. We often look and need a burning bush experience, but God is waiting for us to invite him into the ordinary. I'm glad he does that. Into our everyday highs and lows. The divine, the ordinary, coming together. God is in all of that. 
Now, avoid the tendency to use kairos moments to fix. Sometimes we say, this happened to you because of this. And we're really good at fixing ourselves or other people. And we think everything that God does is designed to fix us. Show me anywhere in the Bible where God wants to fix us. He does not want to fix us. He wants us to enjoy his presence and a love relationship with him. He did not come from heaven to earth to fix us. We can't be fixed. We're broken, right? So why do we keep trying to fix everybody in in everything around us? We keep trying to fix it rather than letting God do what only God can do. Don't need to fix it. Don't need to fix your spouse. Don't need to fix your kids. We need the presence of Jesus in our lives, moment by moment. So God often speaks in images, and I I like to think of God's loving presence around me like uh, this picture, uh, which is a fond one for me. I was in northern Thailand, a very remote place in northern Thailand. In fact, there weren't any people around. This is at Botong Waterfall. And the water's warm in Thailand. And that thing just was cascading. I almost took my breath away, right? And I like to think of God's presence around me just like that. Just that warm, just... Just to be in his presence like that. Absolutely amazing. And I want that more and more. God, please. Is it possible to remain aware of God's presence every waking moment? I don't know, but as we begin this new year, that's my goal. Any of you game to journey with me to see if we can live our lives like that? Aware of God's presence continually. 